Hello, and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer, or Middle East soccer podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. When prominent Chinese Middle East scholars Sun Degang and Wu Sike last year described the Middle East as a key region in big power diplomacy with Chinese characteristics in a new era, they were signaling a shift in thinking that went further than a simple move away from publicly de-emphasizing the region's importance. By defining Chinese characteristics as seeking common ground while reserving differences, a formula that implies conflict management rather than conflict resolution, Messieurs Sun and Wu were suggesting that China was seeking to prepare the ground for greater Chinese engagement in efforts to stabilize the Middle East, a volatile region that repeatedly threatens to spin out of control. The scholars define China's goal as building an inclusive and shared regional security mechanism based on fairness, justice, multilateralism, comprehensive governance, and the containment of differences. By implication, Messier Sun and Wu's vision reflected a growing realization in China that it no longer can protect its mushrooming interests exclusively through economic cooperation, trade, and investment. It also signaled an understanding that stability in the Middle East can only be achieved through an inclusive, comprehensive, and multilateral reconstructed security architecture of which China would have to be part. Messier Sun and Wu's article, published in a prominent Chinese policy journal, was part of a subtle and cautious Chinese messaging that was directed towards players on all sides of the Middle East's multiple divides. To be clear, China, like Russia, is not seeking to replace the United States, certainly not in military terms, as a dominant force in the Middle East. Rather, it is gradually laying the groundwork to capitalize on a U.S. desire to rejigger its regional commitments by exploiting U.S. efforts to share the burden more broadly with its regional partners and allies. China is further suggesting that the United States has proven to be unable to manage the Middle East's myriad conflicts and disputes, making it a Chinese interest to help steer the region into calmer waters while retaining the U.S. military backbone of whatever restructured security architecture emerges. Implicit in the message is the assumption that the Middle East may be one part of the world in which the United States and China can simultaneously cooperate and compete, cooperate in maintaining regional security, and compete on issues like technology. That may prove to be an idealized vision. China, like the United States, is more likely to discover that getting from A to B can be torturous and that avoiding being sucked into the Middle East's myriad conflicts is easier said than done. China has long prided itself on its ability to maintain good relations with all sides of the divide by avoiding engagement in the crux of the Middle East's at times existential divides. Yet building a sustainable security architecture 
that includes conflict me management mechanisms without tackling the core of those divides is likely to prove all but impossible. The real question is, at what point does China feel that the cost of non-engagement outweighs the cost of engagement? The Middle East is nowhere close to entertaining the kind of approaches and policies required to construct an inclusive security architecture. Nevertheless, changes to U.S. policy being adopted by the Biden administration are producing cracks in the posture of various Middle Eastern states, albeit tiny ones, that bolster the Chinese messaging. Various belligerents, including Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Qatar, and Turkey, but not as Iran or Israel, at least when it comes to issues like Iran and the Palestinians, have sought to lower the region's temperature, even if fundamentals have not changed. A potential revival of the 2015 International Iran Nuclear Agreement could possibly provide a monkey wrench. There is little doubt that any U.S.-Iranian agreement to do so would focus exclusively on nuclear issues and would not include other agenda points such as ballistic missiles and Iranian support for non-state actors in parts of the Middle East. The silver lining is that ballistic missiles and support for non-state actors are issues that Iran would likely discuss if they were embedded in a discussion about restructured regional security arrangements. This is where China may have a significant contribution to make. Getting all parties to agree to discuss a broader, more inclusive security arrangement involves not just cajoling, but also assuaging fears, including whether and to what degree Chinese relations with an Iran unfettered by U.S. sanctions and international isolation would affect Gulf states. To be sure, while China has much going for it in the Middle East, such as its principle of non-interference in the domestic affairs of others, its affinity for autocracy, and its economic weight and emphasis on economic issues, it also needs to manage pitfalls. These include reputational issues, despite its vaccine diplomacy, repression of the Uyghurs in the northwestern province of Xinjiang, and discrimination against other Muslim communities. China's anti-Muslim policies may not be an immediate issue, but they continuously loom as a potential gray swan. Nevertheless, China beyond doubt, alongside the United States, can play a key role in stabilizing the Middle East. The question is whether both Beijing and Washington can and will step up to the plate. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at mideastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best, and take care in these trying times.